Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Tesla's third quarter 2023 Q&A webcast. My name is Martin Vieka, VP of Investor Relations, and I'm joined today by Elon Musk, Abath Taneja, and a number of other executives. Our Q3 results were announced at about 3 p.m. Central Time in the update that we published at the same link as this webcast. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. Actual events or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. During the question and answer portion of today's call, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please use the raise hand button to join the question queue. But before we jump into the Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks. Elon? Uh, thank you, Martin. So just a Q3 recap. Our last quarter was uh, impacted by downtime for global factory upgrades uh, that will help us reduce cost per vehicle as well as increase production. Uh, we remain focused on three main objectives, which is the cost reduction of our products, uh, investments in artificial intelligence, and other growth projects uh, like Optimus, and continued uh, free cash flow generation. Uh, regarding vehicle cost, uh, our team was able to reduce the cost per vehicle further in Q3 despite headwinds from factory idle costs and ramp-up of new factories. And we believe there's still uh, meaningful room for improvement there. Um, regarding autopilot and AI, our vehicles have now driven over half a billion miles with FSD beta, full self-driving beta, uh, and that number is growing rapidly. Uh, we recently completed um, a 10,000 uh, GPU cluster of H100s. We think probably bringing it into operation faster than anyone's ever brought, brought uh, that much compute per unit time into production, uh, since training is the fundamental limiting factor on progress with full self-driving and vehicle autonomy. Um, <clears throat> we're also seeing uh, significant promise with FSD version 12. This is the end-to-end -end, uh, AI where it's photon count in controls out. Uh, or really, you can think of it as there's a, just a, a large bitstream coming in and a, and a tiny bitstream going out, uh, compressing reality into a, a very small set of outputs, uh, which is actually kind of how humans work. The vast majority of, of human data input is optics from our eyes. Uh, and so we are like the car photons in, controls out, with neural nets, just neural nets in the middle. Um, so interesting to think about that. Uh, we will continue to invest significantly in AI development, um, as this is really the, the, the massive game changer. Um, and I mean, success in this regard, in the long term, uh, I, I think, has the potential to make Tesla the most valuable company in the world by, by far. Um, if you have fully autonomous cars at scale and fully autonomous uh, humanoid robots that are truly useful, it's not clear what the limit is. <coughs> Regarding en energy storage, we deployed four gigawatt hours of energy of storage products in Q3. Uh, and uh, as this business grows, uh, the energy vision is becoming our highest margin uh, business. 
energy and service now contribute over half a billion dollars to quarterly profit. Uh, the Cybertruck, I know a lot of people are excited about the Cybertruck. Uh, I am too. I've driven the car. It's an amazing product. Uh, I, I do want to emphasize that there will be uh, enormous challenges in, in reaching volume production with the Cybertruck um, and then in making the Cybertruck uh, cash flow positive. This is this is simply normal for when, when you've got a, a product with a lot of new technology or any 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 new vehicle, brand new vehicle program, but especially one that is as different and advanced as the Cybertruck, uh, you will have problems proportionate to how many new things you're trying to solve at scale. So I just want to emphasize that while I think this is potentially our best product ever, uh, and I think it is our best product ever, um, it is going to be require immense work to reach volume production and be cash flow positive at a price that people can afford. Um, often people do not understand what is truly hard. That is why I say prototypes are easy, production is hard. Uh, people think it's the idea or you make a prototype, you, you design a car. And it's not as though designing a car is, is, is that just anyone can do it. It, it does require taste, it does require effort to design a prototype. But the difficulty of going from a prototype to volume production uh, is like 10,000% harder to get to volume production than to make the prototype in the first place. And then it is even harder than that to reach positive cash flow. That is why there have not been uh, new car startups that have been successful uh, for 100 years, apart from Tesla. So, um, you know, I just want to temper expectations for Cybertruck. Um, it's a great product, but financially, it will take, I don't know, a year to 18 months before it is a significant positive cash flow contributor. Uh, I, I wish there was some way to for that to be different, but that's, uh, that's my best guess. Um, You know, so it, it, it really the demand is is off, is off the charts. We have over a million people who have reserved the car, so it's not it's not a demand issue, but we have to make it, um, and we need to make it at a price that people can afford. Insanely difficult things. Uh, in conclusion, uh, we continue to focus on uh, ramping production while maintaining uh, positive cash flow. And we continue to target uh, and expect to have around 1.8 million vehicle deliveries, uh, as stated earlier this year. Um, the Tesla AI team is, I think, one of the world's best, and I think it is actually by far the world's best when it comes to real-world AI. Um, I'll say that again. Tesla has the best real-world AI team on Earth, period. Um, and it's getting better. Um, and uh, lastly, I wanted to thank uh, all of our employees who are making a lot of extra effort during uncertain times. Thank you very much for your hard work and the impact that you're making. Thank you very much, Elon. And our CFO, Wybuff, have some opening remarks as well. Thanks, Martin. 
Our vehicle deliveries in Q3 outpaced production, and we had yet another record quarter of profitability in our energy business. Congratulations to the Tesla team for their continued focus on operational excellence as we navigate through a period of economic uncertainty, higher interest rates, and shifting consumer sentiment. As Elon mentioned, our Q3 operational and, uh, and financial performance was impacted by planned downturns for our factory upgrades. This was necessary to allow for further factory improvements and production rate increases. Despite such factory shutdowns, our cost per vehicle decreased to approximately 37,500. We saw sequential decreases in material cost and freight. Reducing the cost of our vehicles is our top priority. On the operating expenses front, R&D expenses continue to rise to cyber, due to Cybertruck prototype builds and pilot production testing, combined with spend on AI technologies like full self-driving, Optimus, and Dojo. We have and will continue to make investments in these areas, and hence our capital expenditure and R&D will continue to grow in the near term. However, our focus is to continue making investments through positive cash flow from operations. This year itself, we have generated operating cash flows of approximately 8.9 billion and free cash flows of approximately 2.3 billion. Our other businesses are becoming more prominent on a standalone basis, with energy business leading the charge primarily from the growth in megabyte deployments. Our services and other businesses on a year-on-year basis also continue to show positive momentum as we benefit from our growing fleet. As regards our pricing strategy, in addition to what we have shared before, I want to elaborate that most car buying happens with one or other form of financing. And hence, we also view pricing in terms of monthly costs for the customer. And therefore, as interest costs in the US have risen substantially, it has required us to adjust the price of our vehicles to keep the monthly cost in parity. We've tried to offset such adjustments by our focus on reducing costs. However, there is an inherent lag in cost reductions, which in turn impacts margins. To that extent, we recently announced a partner vehicle leasing program in the US, whereby you can get a standard range Model Y for as low as $399 a month. In conclusion, as we navigate through a challenging economic environment, we're focused on reducing costs, maximizing delivery volumes, and continuing making investments in the future, in particular, AI and other next-generation platforms. We believe this strategy positions us well for the long term. Once again, I would like to thank the Tesla team for their efforts in the last quarter. Thank you very much. And now let's go to investor questions. Uh, the first investor question comes from Craig. How many Cybertruck deliveries do you anticipate for 2024? It's difficult to make an accurate guess at this point. Um, going back to what I said earlier, that the ramp is going to be extremely difficult. Um, and uh, like, like I said, it's, there's, there's, there's no way around that. If, if you try to make, if, if we just try to do some copycat uh, vehicle design, of which there are literally 200 models that are slight vari variations on a theme, in the in the combustion engine world, uh, just just distinctions without a difference, uh, then you know it's really not that hard. But if you want to do something radical and innovative and and something really special like the, the like the Cybertruck, um, it is extremely difficult because there's nothing to copy. You have to invent 
not just the car, but the way to make the car. So the, the more uncharted the territory, the less predictable the outcome. Now, I can say that if you say, well, where will things end up? I think we'll end up with roughly a quarter million Cybertrucks a year. Um, and uh, but I, 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 we're not, I don't think we're going to reach that output rate next year. I, I think we we'll probably reach it sometime in 2025. That's my best guess. Uh, thank you. Uh, the, the second question is, can you provide a progress update on the 4680 cell, particularly progress towards performance improvements and cost savings outline on battery day? Thank you. Uh, sure thing, Martin. <clears throat> um, 4680 cell production in Texas increased 40% quarter over quarter. Uh, congrats to the Texas team for producing their 20 million cell off of line one. Uh, Texas is now our primary 4680 facility. Um, we're heavily focused on quality. Scrap is down 40% quarter over quarter. Uh, with the increased volume and yield improvements, sell costs consistently improved month over month within the quarter, although we have a lot more work to do to achieve our steady state goals. And that is our priority. Um, the Cybertruck cell with 10% higher energy than our Model Y cell started production on line two in Texas. Uh, this quarter, we convert to building 100% Cybertruck cells to simplify and focus the factory as we ramp all four lines in phase one over the next three quarters. Phase two of the Texas 4680 facility is currently under construction. The additional four lines incorporate further capital efficiencies over phase one, and our target is for them to start producing in late 2024. Uh, lastly, in Cato, uh, we're retooling uh, to enable large-scale pallet runs of our next-generation cell designs. Cato's long-term goal is to be the launch pad for new cells, one generation ahead of our mass production facilities, enabling faster iteration and smoother ramp-ups of new designs. Thank you. Um, the next question um, from institutional investor is, could you please provide an update on capacity expansion plans for companies, factories in Berlin and Austin, and the opening schedule of Gigafactory in Mexico? Uh, Berlin and Austin factory, uh, the current priority is actually maximize the output from our existing lines uh, by laser focus on uh, efficiency improvement. As always, maintaining a high quality and reducing per unit cost will be as critical as growing the production volume. Um, for Mexico, uh, we're working on infrastructure and factory design in parallel with the engineering development of the new production that will be manufactured there. Um, that's all I can share for that. In Mexico, we're laying the groundwork to uh, begin construction um, and uh, doing all the long lead items. Um, but I think we want to just get a sense for what the global economy is like before we go full tilt um, on the Mexico factory. Um, I'm worried about the high interest rate environment that we're in. Um, it's, I just can't emphasize this enough that uh, for the vast majority of people buying a car is about the monthly payment. Uh, and as interest rates rise, the proportion of that monthly payment that is interest increases naturally. So uh, that's if, if interest rates remain high or if they go even higher, uh, it's that much harder to for people to buy the car. They simply cannot afford it. Um, so um, and, and we are tracking, I believe, at this point for Model Y to be the selling car on Earth, but not just in revenue, but in unit volume. If you compare that to the other vehicles that are 
you know, number two and number three and whatnot, they, they cost much less than our car. Uh, so, you know, we, we're just hit, hitting law of large numbers situations here. I know people want us to advertise and we are advertising. Um, I think there is some, there's something to, there, there is a, something to be gained on the advertising front. I don't think it's nothing. Um, but informing people of a car that is great that they cannot afford doesn't, doesn't really help. Um, so that, that, that is really the thing that must be solved is to make the car affordable or, you know, the average person cannot buy it for any amount of money. Um, or they, or for, they simply can't afford it. They can't afford it. So this is a big deal. Um, okay, thank you very much. Uh, the next question is, when do you expect Model 3 Highland to be available in the U.S.? Um, I just wanted to address that, unfortunately, we don't answer product-related questions and timings on earnings calls, so let's go to the next one. Um, current sell-side consensus as assumes that Tesla will deliver 2.3 million vehicles in 2024, representing 28% growth versus 2023 guidance. Is this growth rate achievable without any mass market launches in 2024? And when does Tesla expect to return to its 50% long-term CAGR? Thanks for the question. When you look at 2024, there are a lot of moving pieces. Elon just talked about what is happening in the macroeconomic environment. So we're focused on growing our volumes in a very cost-efficient manner and are carefully reviewing all our options, and we'll be able to provide a much more meaningful update at our next earnings call. Yeah, I mean, the risk of stating the obvious, um, it is not possible to have a compound growth rate of 50% forever, or you will exceed the mass of the known universe. Uh, so, but I, I think we will grow very rapidly and much faster than any other car company on earth by far. Thank you. Uh, next question is, do you have an approximate timeline in mind for the robotaxi, driven or non-driven, what excites you most about how this project is progressing? Well, the rubber taxi is like necessarily non-driven. <laughs> um, the uh, I, I guess I'm I'm very excited about our progress with autonomy. Um, the end-to-end -end nothing but nets uh, self-driving software is amazing. Um, I, I drives me all around Austin with no interventions. Um, so, you know, this is clearly the, the right move. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, I know it's, it's really, really pretty amazing. Um, and also that, that same software and approach will enable Optimus to useful things uh, and, and enable optimists to to learn how to do things simply by looking um, so you know extremely exciting in the long term um, as I as I mentioned before you know given that uh, economic output is number of people times Productivity, 
you no longer have a constraint on on people. Effectively, you've got a humanoid robot that can do as much as you'd like. Your 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 economy is quasi infinite, or you know, infinite for all intents and purposes. Um, so, and I don't think anyone's going to do it better than Tesla, not by a long shot. Yeah, Boss Dynamics is impressive, but their robot lacks a brain. Sort of like the you know, Wizard of Oz or whatever. It's <laughs> Yeah, lacks a brain. Um, and, and then uh, you also need to be able to design the humanoid robot in a way, such a way that it can be mass manufactured. Um, and then at some point, the robots will manufacture the robots. Uh, now, obviously, we need to be, make sure that you know, there's a good place for humans in that future, and we do not create some variant of the Terminator outcome. Um, so we're going to put a lot of effort into localized control of the humanoid robot. So you, you know, basically anyone will be able to shut it off locally, um, and you can't change that uh, even if you. With, like a software update, you can't change that. It has to be hard-coded. Thank you. Uh, the next question is, uh, why was the price dropped on FSD if it is getting better and Robotaxi is expected so soon? Well, we just wanted to make it more affordable. Uh, some more people could try it. Uh, yeah. I, I think over time, the price of FSD will increase proportionate to its value. Uh, so I would regard the current price as a kind of a temporary low. Thank you. Uh, the next question is again on FSD. Uh, Mercedes is accepting legal liability for when its level three autonomous driving system drive pilot is active. Is Tesla planning to accept legal liability for FSD? And if so, when? Well, there's a lot of people that assume we, we have legal liability, <laughs> judging by the lawsuits. Uh, we're certainly not being let that off the hook on that front, whether we like would like to or, or wouldn't like to. So, I mean, I think it's important to remember for everyone that Mercedes' system is limited to a few roads in Nevada and some certain cities in California. It doesn't work in the snow or the fog. It must have a lead car marked planes only 40 miles per hour. Our system is meant to be holistic and drive in any conditions. So we obviously have a much more capable approach, but um, you know, with, with those kind of limitations, it's really not very useful. You know, I, I think some, some people understand the profundity of the Tesla AI system, mostly very, but very, very few. Um, it's, it's basically baby AGI. It has to understand reality in order to drive. Maybe, maybe AGI. Thank you. Uh, the next question on Optimus. Will Optimus be working on Gigafactory lines next year? If so, how many uh, would you guess uh, will be deployed? I think at this point we are not ready to discuss details of the Optimus program. But we will make provide periodic updates online. Uh, so as, as you can see, we're you know Optimus 
a year ago, I could barely walk. And now I can do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so a few years from now, I can probably do ballet. Sounds good. Um, and the last question uh, from investors is, Neural net path planning represents a significant advance in capability and safety for FSD. What steps is Tesla taking to make this technology available outside the US? Yeah, our approach has been to try to get it, like the more places we try to make it work, the harder the problem is. Um, so the reason we don't do it in all countries simultaneously is that it would take much longer to, get, to make it work anywhere at all. Uh, so, um, that's why it's currently just uh, North America. Uh, and, and also for most parts of the world, you have to get approval before deploying things. Whereas uh, in the US, uh, you can deploy things at risk or at least can take liability for what you deploy. So um, it's, uh, whereas most countries require some sort of extensive appro approval program. Um, so we, all, we only want to go through that extensive approval program when we think it's kind of ready for prime time in that country. I apologize that it's not, not in those countries, but we, we keep finding ways to make it better. And uh, it, it really it needs to drive, drive, it needs to drive such that it exceeds the even unsupervised significantly exceeds the probability of injury of a human. It's significantly better, it's low, low, a lower probability of injury than, than a human by far. Um, I think we're, we're, we're tracking to that point very quickly. Um, obviously in the past, I've been overly optimistic about this. Um, the reason I've been overly optimistic is that the progress tends to sort of look like a log, a log curve, uh, which is that you have kind of rapid initial improve, improvements that if you were to extrapolate that sort of rapid, fairly linear rate of improvement, you, you, you get to self-driving quite quickly, but then the, the, the rate of improvement curves over logarithmically um, and starts to asymptote. Um, that's not happened several times. I would characterize our progress in real world AI as a, a series of stacked log curves. Uh, I think that is also true in other parts of AI, like LLMs and whatnot, series of stacked log curves. Um, each, each log curve gets higher than the last one. So if you keep stacking them, keep stacking logs, eventually you get to FSD. Thank you. Uh, let's now go to analyst questions. Uh, the first question comes from Will Stein from Truist. Uh, Will, please go ahead and unmute yourself. Great. Thanks so much for taking my question and thanks for all the updates today. Um, we uh, we learned earlier on the call, it, it sounds like um, you don't think the truck will ramp to significant volume until its third year of production. Should we have a similar anticipation for the ramp of the next-gen platform, or is there any reason that we should be maybe more optimistic or pessimistic about the uh, ramp profile there? Thank you. 
Yeah, I, I mean, to be clear, it's 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 not really the third year of production. It's kind of like the eighteenth month of production is roughly uh, my guess. So it's just that they happen to it'll happen is that the it starts this year, spans next year, and gets to twenty twenty five. So technically, there are three calendar years in there, but there's actually only 18, 18 months, not three years. I would be very disappointed if it took us, and that that would that would be shocking if it took us three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but eighteen months from initial deliveries um, to have to reach volume and and reach prosperity with an immense I, I can't tell you how much the blood, sweat, and tears level required to achieve that is just Staggering. I've been through it many times. And then here, here we go again. Um, you know, um, S- similar path for the next gen platform. I mean, there's like unique complexity to cyber. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cyber truck is. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we dug our own grave with cyber cyber trucks. You know, <laughs> nobody. And you know, in general, I find nobody digs a grave better than themselves. And so, <laughs> uh, I. I <laughs> You know, it it is it is um, you know, Cybertruck is one of those one of those special prod- products that comes along only once in a long while, um, and and special products that come along once in a long while are just incredibly difficult to bring to market, to reach volume, to to be prosperous. Um, it's it's fundamental to the nature of the the newness. Um, so now the sort of high volume, low cost, uh, smaller vehicle is actually much more conventional. Uh, it's, yeah, in terms of like the technologies we're putting into it, we didn't have to invent how to bend full hard stainless steel or have mega 9,000 ton castings or the largest hot stamping in the world or new yeah, high voltage, low voltage architectures. It's 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 learning from everything we've done. So it, we hope it will ramp faster than the, the you know the technology. Uh, we also went through like truck. a ruthless simplification exercise. Yeah, we did. So. There's significantly less parts, and yeah, you're only as fast as the slowest part. If you have less less of those, that means you could probably be faster. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, that said, it's you know it's still. So pretty revolutionary in how we're going to build it. It is. Um, yes, it's it's a the manufacturing approach for the, the high volume small vehicle is uh, revolutionary. Um, not revolutionary quite in the same way as the Cybertruck. I, I, I think it will be quite a fast ramp. Um, so it, as Lars was saying, we're we're doing everything possible to simplify that vehicle in order to achieve a um, units per minute level that uh, is unheard of in the auto industry. Yeah, I mean, the simplification makes it easier to automate. It also makes it lower cost. Yeah, like it's the, the intrinsically lower cost. Yeah. Just to be clear, is It'll be cool, but it's it's utilitarian. Um, it's not meant to be, you know, fill you with, you know, all and magic. It's uh, it can get you from A to B. And it'll be still beautiful, but it's a 
It's utilitarian. It's, it's a utility. It doesn't have 14 inches of travel and its suspension. <laughs> yeah, as an example. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Cybertruck has a lot of bells and whistles. All right, thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Pierre Ferragou from New Street Research. Hey, um, uh, can you hear me fine? Yes? Yes. yes. Um, hey, um, I have a first like a follow-up question on uh, uh, FSD um, um, and pricing and adoption. So I, I agree with you that as FSD uh, improves, we should see its value um, increasing. But I guess like the ultimate um, uh, values of FSD, which is to be able to handle like um, uh, a robot taxi, is not going to necessarily interest everybody. And you have a bit of a degraded version that would be like a chauffeur service where the car drives by itself, but you still have to be in the car and around. And then there is like the hands-on, uh, eyes-on uh, version of the service. Um, and and I guess, you know, there should be like much lower cost, lower feature kind of variance of the service that could have a very large penetration on your install base and more expensive one that would remain at a lower penetration level. So I'm just wondering if you're taking that. And last but not least, like the simplest version of FSD are available and are going to work from a technical perspective, probably before like the ultimate robotaxi uh, version can work, if ever. Um, and so I'm wondering how you take that into account in how you're thinking like the financial contribution of FSD over time. And, and whether you could um, evolve your pricing uh, along that kind of tiers to uh, in, increase uh, adoption. Yeah, I mean, the, a fully autonomous vehicle, I think, I think here you, you know, sort of the economics of a fully autonomous vehicle are, are truly astounding uh, in, a, in a positive way. Um, when you look at uh, passenger vehicles today, they they only get about ten to twelve hours of usage per week. That's you know if you if you drive an hour and a half a day on average, uh, that's roughly ten hours a week out of one hundred and sixty eight hours. Um, and then there's also you got to have, have parking and insurance. Um, you got to take care of the car. It's like there's a lot of lot of overhead. Um, so. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, you, it's like the economics of the system are just um, insanely positive. If, if given that the car, like all of the cars we're making and have made for a while, we believe are capable of full autonomy. Um, so then, if you if you're able to say increase the utility of that car by a factor of five, which slowly means that you're being used for maybe 50 hours a week um, out of 168. So you're still not as you're still assuming that still assumes less than a third of the hours of, of the week are is, is doing something useful. Um, you've increased the value of that by, by five, but it still costs the same. Like you have something, then 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 we're a, we're a hardware company with software margins. Pierre, do you have a follow-up? Um, yes, I'd have actually a follow-up on, on a different to topic for you, uh, if that's okay. 
um, it's a lot like your gross margin in the quarter. Could you give us a sense of um, like in uh, in how the gross margin evolved uh, sequentially? How much was the impact of idle costs? Um, how much was like the sequential benefit? I imagine of production ramping at um, Berlin and Austin, and then I saw like this massive jump in energy storage. Um, uh, very strong positive surprise. So if you can give us um, the background on that and tell us, you know, how we should think about that gross margin going forward. Thanks for that question. So in terms of uh, you have a you have a few different aspects of your question. So for if I just look at from Q3 perspective, you know, obviously factory idle time had an impact. It did impact by. I mean, I won't give you the exact percentage, but it had decent impact for the quarter. And, you know, when you look at uh, the other pieces which we're trying to do, we did see certain of our other factories ramping up pretty well, right? And they actually contributed pretty well to the margin for this quarter. In fact, one of the factories Pretty, came pretty close to in terms of per unit cost to where we are for one of our other established factor, which is Fremont. So that that was a positive in the quarter. And when it comes to energy margins, you know, Megapack deployment was the key driver there, and that product has done well. I mean, on the cost curve, also we've been able to do a lot there. But I do want to caution that. You know, megapack deployments are a bit lumpy. So, yes, we had a great quarter this period, but depending upon where we are trying to deploy that product in the mar in different markets, you would see periods wherein there would be uh, downward pressure on deployment because of us trying to get the product to that exact place where yeah, it product in, product in transit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Rod Lash from Wolf Research. Uh, Rod, feel free to unmute yourself. Thanks. Um, really nice to see the rate of, of vehicle cost improvement despite the downtime that you took. Um, you've taken now about $2,000 out of the average vehicle cost over the past year. Can you give us maybe a sense of the rate of improvement that you see uh, from the changes that you alluded to, the factory changes you alluded to, is there a way maybe to convey the speed of improvement on your existing product from here? And then related to that, um, can you share the timing of your next gen, the, the lower priced uh, product that you talked about earlier this year? Yeah, so just in terms of product margins, uh, there are lots of puts and takes when you look into this. You know, there are certain things which we control and there are certain things which we don't control. You know, we get, we expect that we'll get some benefits from our cost reduction efforts, which are all underway. But on the other hand, we just finished our factory upgrades late in Q3. Some of these factors are still in the early ramp phase in Q4. We're still not up to where we want those factories to be, so they'll impact in the near term. Plus, like, Elon mentioned, we're going to be ramping Cybertruck, which is going to be another headwind which we will be dealing with. On top of all that, you know, there's overall uncertainty in the macroeconomic environment, which even makes it harder to predict precisely as to where we land 
But yes, this is something which, you know, it's, it's an evolving thing which we're observing every day and reacting to it on a daily basis. I, I would just say that on the cost reduction efforts, like we we are not, we are unflagging in our pursuit of uh, additional cost downs for 2024. We do have a, a good pipeline of, of them uh, and work on both the engineering side and the factory operations side. And, um, you know, our intention is to like maintain or exceed the trend that you saw. We're trying as hard as we possibly can. The timing of the next gen product, um, can you share that? Uh, not at this time. Okay. And just uh, as a follow up, uh, obviously price is also a driver of demand, but it, that's obviously not happening in a vacuum. Um, and and you, you mentioned that, um, it, I think you mentioned it at some point during this call that you're also maybe hitting the law of large numbers on some of your products. Can you just share how you're thinking about price elasticity just at this point and in this macro environment? Um, and any thoughts along those lines? I think that there's very significant price elasticity. Um, I mean, to be totally frank, if our car costs the same as a RAV4, nobody would buy a RAV4. Or at least they're very unlikely to. Um, um, it's worth noting that a lot of these incentives, like the you know tax credit and whatnot, um, but they're actually very difficult for the average person to access because they most people do not have 10 grand, you know, or even $7,500 burning a hole in their bank account. Um, a large number of people are, are living paycheck to paycheck and at, with with a lot of debt. They've got credit card debt, mortgage debt. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a, that, that's that's reality for most people. It's, it's sometimes difficult for uh, people who are, you know, high income earners, you know, and I'd say high would be like someone who's earning over $200,000 a year um, to understand what life is like for someone who is earning 50 or 60 or $70,000 a year, which is most people. Um, so, um, so that like for, for a lot of people, like these, these tax credits just, they, they can't, they can't front $7,500 for in 18 months or, or even six months to get for, for the tax credit. And they actually don't, in some cases, even have that, they don't have say, dollars in taxes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a, so it's really just the vast majority of people is how much money do they have to pay immediately and how much per month? That's it. And can stop right there. And our car is still much more expensive than a RAV4 when you look at it that way. Uh, yeah, um, one other thing which I'll add, you know, when, when you look at, you know, car buying in general, we're trying to get to the next set of EV adapters. And they well, use not, even, not an EV adapter, just next. who wants a great car. Exactly. It's, it's not a, you know, sometimes you get these like, you know, Honestly, I'd say it's like somewhat correlates with the why doesn't everyone work from home crowd? I'm like, uh, I mean, this is like some real Marie Antoinette vibes from people that say, why doesn't everyone work from home? Like, what about all the people that have to come to the factory and, and, and fill up the cars? What about all the people that have to go to, to, to the restaurant and make your food and deliver your food? It's like, what are you talking about? You, I mean, 
how detached from reality does the, is the work from home crowd have to be? Um, while they take advantage of all those who do who cannot work from home. So, I mean, you have to say, like, why did I sleep in the factory so many times? Because it mattered. Um, so, um, so I, I just can't emphasize not how, again, how important cost is. I, it's, it's, not, it's not an optional thing for most people. It is a necessary thing. Um, we have to make our cars more affordable so people can buy it. And, and, and I, you know, I keep harping on this interest thing, but I mean, it's just, it just right, right, raises the cost of the car. I mean, I, we're looking at an, 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 an eternal analysis, which I know we, like we think is, is, is more or less on track that when you look at the cost or the price reductions we've made in, uh, say the Model Y, um, and you compare that to how much people's monthly payment has risen due to interest rates. The price of the Model Y is almost unchanged. If you factor in the change in interest rates. Yes, which is the, the thing, this is what I'm trying to say. The thing that matters is the monthly pay. It's, it's, it's how much money do they have to put down and do they literally have that in their bank account or will the check bounce? Yeah. Uh, and then what is the monthly payment? And it doesn't matter how if that monthly payment is principal interest or whatever. It's just a, a number and that number has to not cause their bank account to go negative. Um, that's it. So, uh, you know, going, going from near zero interest rates to the current very high interest rates, uh, the actual monthly payment is basically the same. It's just a bunch more of it is going to interest. Um, and there are some, some incremental challenges beyond that, which is the difficulty of getting credit at all has increased. And so the number of people who simply cannot get credit, period. Um, even if they've got a job and everything's solid, they, you know, the, the, the banks are, you know, a little gun shy on handing out credit, um, given that a bunch of them kicked the bucket earlier this year. Um, yeah, there's also just fewer options, even if they <laughs> hand out credit, there's fewer <laughs> banks to go there. It's like, does your bank still exist? Yeah. Well, uh, if, if your bank does not exist, uh, you have to establish a relationship with a new bank. Um, and, um, you know, so a lot of regional banks are, you know, died and I mean, even Credit Suisse, I mean, geez, that's, that was a shocker, you know, got a like 160 year old ish Swiss institution um, that doesn't exist anymore. That's mind blowing. Um, and uh, I think there's still quite a few shoes to drop on the, the bad credit situation. Uh, I mean, commercial real estate obviously is um, in a terrible shape. Um, you know, credit card debt has been rising significantly. The credit card interest rates are usurious. Uh, I mean, over 20% interest rates, meaning like, which over time is just, it becomes uh, obviously extremely punishing. Because if, if somebody's paying 20% interest on their credit cards, it means they cannot pay them off. And if you cannot pay them off and you're still accruing interest at 20%, that, you, that, that's headed to a bad place. Thank you.
Uh, let's go to the next question from George from Canaccord. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, just to focus on the cost per vehicle, you know, coming down in, in future quarters, as you discussed in your written uh, remarks, I'm curious as to what the levers of that could be. Is it more scale, more factory utilization? Uh, is it material cost reductions? Is it things like giga casting? I mean, can you just kind of give us some data points to give us confidence that that's going to come down over time? And if I can sneak one in, please, there are press reports uh, and I know how perilous it is to believe some of these, uh, 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 but it, they, they say that you've included radar as an option in some model wise in China. And I'm just here to ask if that's true. And if so, why? Thank you. Uh, we've not included radar. Uh, we, we, we have radar as a Tesla designed radar as an experiment in the model S and X. Uh, that's it. Uh, we'll see whether that experiment is worth it. Um, but there are no plans to, to integrate radar into 3 and Y. Um, you know, just as humans drive well, and in fact, an, an excellent human, human driver can drive with, with amazing safety simply with uh, their eyes. Um, the, the car will, will far exceed uh, the average human safety just with vision, far, far, far. Um, because I mean, the car is looking at all directions at once, and we don't have eyes in the back of my head. So, and and it, the computer never gets tired, and never gets distracted, get drunk, hopefully. Uh, um, and um, so, r r radar is, uh, you know, it, it's not. It, it what really matters is how much does it affect the probability of an accident, and. In order for the radar to be effective, you have to be able to do radar only braking. You have to do actions that are that are radar only. Otherwise, you get this disambiguation problem between vision and radar. Um, that's why we actually turned off the radar in cars historically that we had. All three and Y used to have radar, but we turned it off because the radar actually generated more noise than signal. Um, now, the Tesla designed radar is a high resolution radar that has some potential to be useful, um, but, but the jury is, is still very much out on, on whether that is in fact the case. Um, yeah, on, the, saving. on the cost question, I guess from the vehicle side, like, you know, as Drew mentioned earlier, we are always trying to engineer our products to be cheaper to make and more efficient to make. That comes obviously on the engineering side as we come up with new innovations, but as well on the supply chain side with our partners, we work with them to automate some of their lines, remove their, um, you know, bottlenecks and their high costs as well. On the logistics side, getting parts to the factory. It's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, yeah, go ahead. It's not like a one thing that yeah. you, you have to, you have to attack cost everywhere. And, yeah. and we do it ruthlessly at all times. Operations, efficiency, all of the, all of the above. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a whole laundry list of things which we are chasing. We internally call it the cost attack where we're literally going line by line and saying, how can we make it better? And it's a grind. It's a grind. It's a game of pennies. It's a game, it's a game of, of pennies. pennies. It's like Game of Thrones, but, but pennies. <laughs> um, I mean, first approximation, if you've got a $40,000 car um, and roughly 10,000 uh, items in that car, that means each thing on average costs four bucks. Uh, so in order to get the cost down, say, by 10%, uh, you have to get 40 cents 
out of each part on average. It is a game of pennies. Um, we play it willingly. We play it. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've done it many, many times. Um, and, uh, you, you know, even something as simple as like a, a sticker. Um, you know, like there's too many stickers internally in the car that nobody ever sees. Uh, there's, you know, um, something as simple as a QR code. You might think, well, putting a QR code on a, on part, why not just put them, put them on there? It's like, well, are we actually going to use that QR code? Uh, Cost a penny. Yeah, exactly. And then inevitably, sometimes the QR code doesn't go on properly or you can't read it properly and then it stops the line. It's <laughs> more than a penny. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, um, so, so it's chip, chipping away um, with, with, it, with a, it, I mean, it is trying to, it is, it does feel like digging a tunnel with a spoon at times. <laughs> <laughs> Very much escaping prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, on top of it, uh, like we said, you know, we did some factory upgrades, so we expect volume to go up. That would also bring some savings from higher production. But then on the flip side, we're going to be ramping a new product like Cybertruck, which we talked about. So, yeah. So those are the real puts and takes which we are working for. Yeah, but there's, there's not like some accidentally, you know, some gold, brick of gold that we've shot and left in the car, um, unfortunately. Um, and, and it's, you know, we're, we're trying to be very rigorous about improving the quality and capability of the car because you know, that's it, it, like any fool can re reduce the cost of a car by making it worse. Um, and just, you know, deleting functionality and capability and that, that, that's how cool this sort of the any, any fool. It, it's like if you want to like lose weight and you say, well, I, would, I need to lose whatever, 15 pounds right away. Well, you, you could chop your arm off, um, but then you're sitting there with one arm you know, <laughs> and you're still fat. <laughs> so, so it's like, sort of like, uh, yeah, you, work at it. Yeah. you actually have to eat eat less food and work, work out. That's the actual way. And doctor's advice. Yeah, it's not, you know, super fun because food is delicious. And I personally, I'm not a huge, I don't love working out. I know some people do. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> Unless moving the mouse consists, consists of working out, in which case I love moving the mouse. <laughs> All right, let's go to Colin Langham from Wells Fargo. Colin? Uh, can you unmute yourself? Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Do you hear me now? Yeah, I'm yeah. Oh, great. Thanks for my question. Um, you said in the commentary that you're not going full tilt on the plant in Mexico until there's signs that the economy is strong. Can you continue at a 50% CAGR without that plant? And where would that come from? And, and any color on what you mean sort of not going full tilt, could that plant get delayed indefinitely or what are you <laughs> kind of talking about no we're definitely making the, the factory uh in mexico we feel very good about that we, we put a lot of effort into looking at different locations and uh we feel very good about that location um and and we are going to build a factory there um and it's going to be great um the question is really just one of timing and uh yeah you know, there's going to be a broken record on the on the interest front. It's just the interest rates have to come down. Um, 
like like if 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 interest rates keep rising, you just fundamentally reduce affordability. Um, it is just the same as right increasing the price of the car. So I just don't have visibility into. It. If you can tell me what the interest rates are, I can tell you when you know <laughs> when we should, we should build the factory. We're going to build it, and, um, and I mean I think we'll 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 start the you know initial phases of construction next year. Um, but uh, I, I I am still somewhat scarred by 2009 when um, if General Motors and Chrysler went bankrupt. So, well, that's now 14 years ago. Uh, it's that that is seared into my mind with a branding iron. Because, um, uh, you know, Tesla was just hanging on by a thread during that entire time. And with, the, I mean, and we closed off a, a financing round in 2008 on, at 6 p.m. December 24th, Christmas Eve. And if we had not closed that financing round, we we would have bounced payroll two days after Christmas. Um, so we, we we actually closed that round on the last hour of the last day that it was possible. Um, stressful to say the least, um, and then barely made it through 2009. Um, so I'm like, I want to just I, I don't want to be going at top speed into uncertainty. Um, a lot of wars going on in the world, obviously, as well. Um, so, um, and, and we have room here, like in Kika, Texas. You said we're, we still have room in this building. It's yeah. not full yeah. with Cybertruck and Model Y, and you know, there's plenty of growth opportunities still to have inside the building where our team already is. We also have 2,000 acres here. Yeah. So there's also a bunch more. We're actually there. only occupying a tiny corner of the land that we are. Um, but, you know, we could. We could technically do all the scaling necessary just here. Um, so, um, I mean, personnel is our biggest challenge in, in that the greater Austin area only has, generously, the greater Austin area only has 2 million people. So people are moving here and they're willing to move here, but there is somewhat of a housing crisis. <laughs> they got to live somewhere. Um, so, yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, so, I so, 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 so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, like, I just, I'm not saying things will be bad. I'm just saying they might be. And I, I, I think, uh, like, like Tesla is a is an incredibly capable ship, but it is. But, but if you know, we need to make sure, like, as as if, if the macroeconomic conditions are stormy, you know, you should, even if the the best ship is still going to have tough times. The weaker ships will sink. We're not going to sink, but, uh, but you know, even a great ship in a storm has has challenges. Now that storm will apply to everyone, not just us, and not just not just the auto industry. It apply to everyone, I think. Um, so you know, apart from necessary sort of staples like food and stuff, but. Um, you know, so I just, I don't know. Um, if if interest rates start coming down, we will accelerate. Um, all right. Vinny's got, got, got any, 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 any guesses on this? I, I, you know, 
I'd, I'd love to be less wrong. Um, and, and I apologize if I'm, if I'm perhaps more paranoid than I should be, because that might also be the case, because I, I, I have PTSD from 2009, big time. Um, and in 2017 through 19 were not picnic either. That was very, very tough going. So, um, you know, the, the auto industry is, is also somewhat cyclic it's because, uh, you know, people tend to hesitate to buy a new car um, in, if, if there's uncertainty in the economy. Um, so, so it's, you know, car companies do very well in good economic times, and they have don't, don't do as well in in tough economic times. Uh, so it's it's just. You know, whereas if somebody's selling bread, then I think you know that people still need to have bread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you need bread. If you need food all the time, but new car, you don't have to have bread this minute. Especially if you have wars going on, and then that impacts your sentiment. Yeah, I mean, if people are reading about wars all over the world, if this, uh, you know, buying a new car tends to not be front of mind. All right. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you very much for all of your good questions, and we'll see you again in three months. Thank you very much.